episode of moped outlaws today we're gonna have some fun with our our new friend joshua it's so great to meet you joshua and it's lovely that you could make time for us yeah well that that just says a lot about your guys's character you're calling me a friend and it must be something you've seen in me something you read about me and it just shows that you guys are trusting and that's that's what we need in this day and age we need to show a little bit more trust and it always starts with self so Thank you yeah. guys for uh, welcoming me, as you just did, welcoming to your audience. Awesome. And real quick, like looking at the um, Ace Vito plus you. Yeah, so that is Vito. You know how things are always changing. Brand name could always change. Um, you know, company name could always change. But that's currently my introduction to the marketplace. That is my brand as of now it could always change of course but to have the public know who i am that's my tag that's instagram tag by the way and, and is that on, last so on, on, that tag is on all my other stuff too because i don't have an official you know nike check mark so i just we just going with the last name plus you let's run it and how do you building pronounce- a brand yeah how do you pronounce your last name so my last name if I'm not mistaken, no, I mean, so as far as my history goes, I'm French, Spaniard, and mixed with the ind- indigenous of Mexico. So Indians and Mexicans and all that mixture right there. So that those are like my three main areas. And so the, the Spaniard, that, that comes from the Spanish, uh, Acevedo. Acevedo. Okay. Acevedo. Did you ever see um, the... Um, one man show and shoot, I just spaced out his name, but it's called Latin American History for Dummies. John Lewis or no, Lugamos, Gamos, uh, yeah, Laguemos. No, uh, no, but that's that's one of the things I'm glad you brought up, uh, just Latin America in general, uh, because that's one thing that kind of like boiled my boiled my you know blood is that my own family, well, at least at least one half, probably half of the other half. They didn't give me that. Um, maybe it was, they forgot about me, neglect, uh, but they didn't give me that, that cultural history. They didn't say, Hey, this is your culture. Uh, these are, you know, we're successful too. Uh, they were either too busy working themselves, but they didn't give me the, the download saying, Hey, this is where we're from. This is where our people are from. Hey, there's also rich Latino billionaires. There's rich million. There's a whole lot of, and I'm learning this, you know, just recent months, years, not, you know, as a child, I didn't know that there were so many Mexican millionaires. There's Mexican billionaires. Yeah. I mean, there's just so much to download from that. Meaning the point of it all is to not be ashamed of who you are. You know what I mean? Whether you're from South Africa, whether you're from Mexico. And I think a lot of uh, culture gets watered down because of, you know, just false stories. And then like people wanting to fit in, right? Like what, what is fitting in? But 
Yeah, that that is something that happened in my my life, you know, being a millennial is that my own parents kind of like forgot to give me that download, you know, like, hey, be proud of who you are. This is where you came from. This is your last name, you know. So I'm trying to reestablish that on my generation so that when, when I my kids, they don't have to be like, oh, who are we, dad? Where well, do we come from, dad? I think you would like it because John Leguizamo, is that how you say his last name? Anyway, Leguizamo. Yeah. So his premise is his son comes to him being teased at school. And as a father, he wants to instill pride in his son and go, wait, you know, like I think his son was called a beaner. He's all beaner. Wait a minute. Wait, wait. And he realizes he doesn't know his heritage. And he goes to the history book at the school. There's one line in this thick history book about a Latin American aspect to history. He's all, wait a minute here. You'll like it. It's a very educational, fun, entertaining. It's on Netflix if you guys have Netflix. and Yeah, if you send me that, definitely. We'll I will. Because I'm learning all kinds of stuff that either the, the way I'm learning things right now is usually like word of mouth. Like a friend says, hey, check this out. Like, oh, cool. Download that. Um, there has been a time where I was doing research, like, okay, I want to know this. So I'm going to study, study, you know, but right now information comes to me through word of mouth and like, Hey, for example, I don't know if you guys have been, um, um, knowing that there's a lot of nefarious things that are happening underground and a lot of people don't know about it. One, they're too busy in their own lives, but two, it doesn't get out there as much like the underground trade of like like sex trafficking, right? Women, we're talking about kids, underage kids. They're being bought, sold, traded, um, U.S. bound. U.S. bound kids, also kids in Asia. They're, so kids in Asia getting traded over here to the U.S. and vice versa. And there's like a whole billion dollar industry that really hasn't been brought to light like it could have been. And, you know, there are some outlets that are bringing it up, but it's just like, Wow. And yeah, I, I, I had a conversation with somebody uh, the other day and we went into depth by because he knows so much about it because he's in that world. And I'm like, wow. he was describing things that, oh, man, I would not want on my worst enemies, you know? Yeah. yeah, there's a new film out called, I think it's called Freedom. Yeah. Which is yeah. about this. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's crazy because. Oh, Sounds of Freedom, it's called. Yeah. It's just that, and then and then people have the audacity to to downplay it or try to water it down. Oh, um, don't look at that, guys, and and uh, it's not as bad as you think. It's like, whoa, wait a minute. Now, now, who has an agenda here? You know, they're just trying to sound the alarm. Right. Well, part of like what you were saying earlier about heritage and having pride of your history and ancestry, and it's not talked about. Another very powerful energy in life that isn't talked about is sex and sexual energy. And I think that creates a lot of the dysfunction that we humans create in our lives. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. The shaming of our natural God given uh, bodies is something that has caused more harm than what good. Like it's important that we have self-control. It's important that, men learn to be 
you know, in control of, of their impulses. It's, but it's also important not to shame or restrict things because when you compress them like that, often it causes things to break out. It causes like subconscious intellectual deficits to occur. And, you know, God bless the church. They tried. They really did. They, they probably had their best, their hearts in the right place because, you know, as we know, just from watching video game addiction, porn addiction, dopamine addiction is just running rampant in men. And this idea that, that we need help is real. But when you impose a bunch of crazy rules on people without actually giving them a sense of balance and a sense of, of things like that, then it, it can become very unhealthy and the shadow aspect of things like that come out. And that's what we're seeing, I think, with sex trade and youth trade. It's just an evil aspect of humanity that remains in the shadows because people are ashamed to confront sexuality and, and those things. I That's see a enough. word on your lips, Greg. Well, I want to let Joshua. Well, all right. So one of the things, like you entered the Marines, as I understand it. Correct? Yes. I, that was right I out of high school? Yeah, I, I did that uh, 18 years old. Uh, did you want me to elaborate on that? Kind yeah. Of the, well, the up to or in there or out? Or what, well, what? I'd love to hear the draw to that. And like, okay. yeah, but I'd also, as we're talking about bodies and um, knowing oneself and bettering oneself, perhaps some lessons that you gained about your own self through the initiation of joining the Marines. Well, look at my, at my age then and at my experience then, I knew absolutely zero. Okay. So if I were to, if I were to, you know, compare myself to the wisdom of, of the ages, I, I, I'm like negative, man. I, I still don't know anything. You know what I mean? If, if God stood next to me, I, I, I combust into flames because they say that you can't even look upon thee without his, you know, holy, you know, blessing and new spirit that he gives you a new body because, we're not worthy. We cannot, we cannot download what we're seeing and, and our, our fleshly bodies are uh, corruptible. He has to give you the uncorruptible. So, so in that regard, wisdom and just physical, I'm nothing compared to where we, what we, what we come from. But uh, at 18 years old, uh, uh, looking back now, I'm grateful to have life. I'm grateful to have an existence, but, um, but at that time I would comparing myself to other people. A lot of people were way ahead at 18, but I was like negative. And I'll tell you why. Um, I had a lot of self doubt. I had a lot of, um, millennial issues, right? I was raised like with around all women. So that made me the most dangerous in society because I had no uh, leadership, right? No um, men in my life. And not just like men, you know, they got to like pat, because you could have like a stepfather like I had, which was very cruel to me. And they didn't, they didn't uh, pass down like the rite of passage, like, hey, let me teach you how to like, change the oil out of car. It was, you know, so 
get getting into the service was um was a, a symbolism of I didn't like my life, right? I didn't I wanted to escape. I was running from something. I wanted to die. And what you know, you're like, why what 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 could be so bad at 18? Well I'll tell you. Um, you know, I was missing something. And when a man doesn't know he's looking for extremes, you know? And so I was emotional. I'm still am. I'm Latino. I'm going to be emotional. That's what we got, but it can be like, it can be like exemplified when you don't have like boundaries and you don't have like life lessons installed in you. And so uh, the Marine Corps, I thought was, it, I gravitated toward that because it was difficult. I gravitated towards that because I wanted to become something. I gravitated say that because of the challenge. But really deep down, like if you asked me at 18 and interviewed me, I would have said, um, and I did say this at the time. They're like, oh, why'd you join the Marine Corps? I said, hey, man, like we were in a big battalion uh, meeting and, and, the, and the colonels going down the row asking Marines, you know, young Marines, hey, why'd you join? Da, da, da. And I told the guy to my left and right, I said, hey, uh, you know why I joined? They're like, no, why did you join? I said, I just want to lose some weight, dog. They're like, what? <laughs> because, and I was like, that's the real answer. Everybody else is lying. Because you hear the answers because everyone has to be loud and proud. You're more, you know, everyone can hear what you're saying when you're shaking the colonel's hand. They're like, oh, I joined the Marine Corps to serve my country and to die for my country and be in Afghanistan and kill the Afghanis. I want to kill Afghanistan. It's like, I didn't join because of that shit. You know, that's a secondary thing. That's something you learn. That's something you apply later. But it means pride in country. You don't really know what that is till you're in the service, until your camaraderie is built. But like, that's not the reason I joined. I joined to just have a girlfriend, you know, simple. Just to have somewhere I fit in, to lose some weight. Uh, I was overweight and that created so much massive weight on me and depression. Um that you know i it, you know i had to join and i and i wanted to join infantry and i'll tell you this is how much power my my family my mom had over me she's like you can join fine like it, this is over like months and months and years <laughs> so it's, not, it's i'm summarizing in a couple sentences here okay you can join but you got to join a non-infantry mos i'm like yeah whatever whatever let me just sign <laughs> so technically even up to signing, I didn't have any control of myself, you know? So, but I'm thankful. I, I learned a lot. I learned, I was an instructor, by the way. I was a nuclear biological chemical defense specialist uh, in the Marine Corps. Nuclear. So how long did you serve in the Marine Corps? And did, were you part of the, the Marine Corps ROTC in high school? Um, I did that for, in San Jose for a little while, but I didn't like the program, so to speak. Uh, we went to like a three-day boot camp with some like Navy SEAL Marine guys. That was super cool. Um, I did do a a month or two in Ar Harlingen, Texas, which was a Marine military academy. I did do some things up until joining the Marine Corps. So uh, I I didn't go in there like totally not knowing what the Marine Corps was, if that if that makes any sense. I kind of had a, a, a clue. Um, so... As far as why I didn't continue with the NJRTC is because uh, each school has either Navy, uh, Air Force, Marine Corps, Army, and the the program that uh, 
Silver Creek High School, San Jose, California had at the time, and they probably still do, is a Navy program. And I just had some kind of uh, just, uh, what do you call it? I had a, a resistance to being the Navy. in the Navy. I don't even know why, because I was yeah. trying to join the Marine Corps. I don't know. It's like all oh, their week, but it's just, it's all the same. It's all so the how same. long were you in the Marines? I was in for four years active duty. So there's there's several ways that you can do it. You could do uh, inactive reserve. Uh, you could do active duty. Uh, and so, but it's an eight year contract. So I had eight, uh, four years inactive. And what kind of studying did you do to achieve instructor levels in nuclear biological defense? What kind of studying it? All kinds. Uh, we, we would train, um, live, live Marines in, uh, after we were trained in it, um, in gas chambers and like CS gas, so like riot control agent. The same stuff you would uh, disperse crowds with. We would we would have uh, classes on that. We'd have training on that. We would put we would have Marines go through it with their gear on, so that they would have confidence that their gear works. So when they're in a live uh, chemical or biological environment, they know how to don their gear, how to use their gear. They know that it works, so on and so forth. They would have they have suits. Okay, they call them mop suits. They have a mask. Uh, we seal it off. So there's a whole there's a whole lot of training. There's um, signs and symptoms classes that we go through to say, okay, what kind of warfare agent is involved in the situation? Stuff like that. You guys seen the movie The Rock, right? Yeah. Long ass needle. This long. Uh, we're talking about like VX gas. So, so that movie has some truth to it, but it's not all the way true. Okay, guys. So the stuff that we dealt with is. There is chemical warfare agents that will kill you in 60 seconds. It's, it is called VX. It's called uh, uh, VX. I uh, believe it call it. I don't know if they call it VX gas. They call it VX is in the name. And um, what it does is it attacks your nerve endings in your body. And so there is a needle that is called like atropine 2-PAM chloride. And you would hit it not in your heart like in the movie. You would hit it like in the meaty portion of your thigh. Right. And you would hold it there for 10 seconds because it's a spring loaded needle that starts shooting uh, this this anti uh, anti toxin. Yeah. So and what it does is your nerve endings are right here. And this uh, this will go ahead and coat your nerve ending so that the, the agent doesn't get to it first and then make you basically make you ten, all your muscles tense up so tight that you you break your back, your heart stops. Things of that nature. Choke you choke yourself to death. Damn. Like all your muscles will contract, contract because that's the signal they're getting from the agent. And you just literally they they show videos of this happening to goats, pigs. Is this like your own bones will snap. It's weird. Like it's just weird. It's kill you. So oh were you deployed into uh country in Afghanistan? No. That's the thing about the uh, service that people don't understand. It's like um, when you're in the Marine Corps, like everybody raises their hand. They're like, hey, yeah, put me in the front. I want to go on a mission. I want to go in danger because, you know, that's how they train you. Hey, we're training you for this. So you're ready to do that. So everybody's ready to go. But they don't they, they literally cannot have everybody with a rifle on the front line. They can't, it's just, it, it, it cannot support itself. So like for every one infantry man, there's seven supporting him. That's where they need everybody. Hey, we need you to fucking beans, 
bullets, band-aids, okay? <laughs> we need you to fucking do the admin work for his uh, NJP because he was drinking last night. We need you to we need you to stay in the fucking chow hall. That's where we need you. You know how to shoot a rifle, but we need you cooking up some meals. We need you to fucking be medical for these guys because he's got a broken leg now. We need you to uh, get carry ammunition to the front line. Like fuck, I want to be a hero though. No motherfucker, we're gonna you're gonna do what we tell you to do. Oh fuck, but I but I got a bunch of people back home thinking I'm killing people. Yeah, dude, just carry the fucking demo. You got me? Yeah, okay. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm glad you're out now, and you. No, I, I can, wanted to go back in, but I got a DUI, and that oh. disqualified you from future service in the Marines. Yeah, at that time. Oh, yeah. And then, uh, I mean, I probably could go back right now, but uh, I don't. I, the door was closed so long. I think like the universe is saying, "Hello, you got something well, else." Yeah, you go. found another mission, right? You have another vision and mission that you're operating from. What you know? What is your mission right now? Well, um, I just want to say one last piece on that because I think it's a big piece that everyone could take away from. It's not me just speaking about my story. Um, a lot of people have an, a, something in their life that they wanted so bad or they think that's the direction they had to go. For me, it's the Marine Corps. But when you can realize, when you try for like four or five years and then you're like, you're stubborn like me, you're like, no, 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 it's on year six, we're going to get it. <laughs> we're going to get a reentry. Uh, you know, it's good for people to 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 show gratitude by going, you know what? Okay, I'm thankful that that door is closed. Mm, it burns oh, because that's my identity. That's who I think I am. That's who, all I think I am. But you're more than that, you know? So it's like, okay, I'm thankful that that door closed, even though that's all I really ever wanted. But okay, now showing your gratefulness, showing your thankfulness is really just stepping back and go, all right, okay, what else are we going to do? And that's what you're saying new mission in life, new orders, but, oh shit, where are we at here? Oh, I, I can had, hear I you, you're doing great. The, the, the screen went black, sorry. No, so no. I had to make sure you guys are still alive. Okay, okay, still alive. Uh, so yeah, that that is, I think happens to a lot of people and they're just like lost or they were lost like me, like, oh no, bro. And But it wasn't, it's not just an overnight thing either, so. Definitely a journey. But yes, the new mission of life. Let's talk about that. Well, I got a question for you before we dive into that. Because you've spoken a lot about how you really didn't have your life. The women in your life had your life. Yeah. And you seem like a gentleman now who has your life. Yeah. So how did that go over when you started initiating that in your relationship with your mom and the other women who at one time had your life? That's a good question. Um, you see, <clears throat> a lot of um, my lessons learned were like self-inflicted, okay? So, for instance, one of my mentors is uh, Wes Watson. I'm sure you've heard of him. Yeah, he's a, he's a gentleman that did 12, uh, excuse me, 10 years incarcerated, but he, he used that whole time in and he made something out of it. He didn't just let the time do him. He was like mentally thinking during that time. He's like, well, how can I be the best version of me? In his words, he's like, I'm going to be the best at this. You know, I'm going to be the best gangster. I'm going to be the best um, inmate. I'm going to be the best individual for himself, you know, so he gave himself love during that time. So what, what I'm trying to say is 
I didn't necessarily, I didn't do 10 years in prison, but I did 10 years of self-inflicted prison. So a mental prison. Okay. And if I would have known I was in my own prison in my own way, and I had the keys the whole time, I could have, well, I'm doing well now, but I could have shortened that time. I didn't have to do 10 years. I could have done maybe three, figured out the life lessons out of it and still started to really propel. So uh, don't worry. This is all tying back to your question. I promise you. I like to take the bus route sometimes. All right. All right. Yeah, no, that's but beautiful. Wait. Keep going. So that um, that for me was like, you know, I was I was punishing myself because I was in so much anger. You know, I didn't have, for example, uh, the last relationship I had was like seven years ago, and that and that ties into like you know, did I, do I, did, did I deserve a relationship? And I, and I don't necessarily think I did. And so that makes sense now, me looking back at my, the last seven years. Uh, but if I would have done the work, if I would have um, forgave all the people that I believe could have done better for me, I became the source of what I was seeking. And that's, um, so I was hurt because my father wasn't around, right? Uh, the abandonment issues. These are all tied to what you're talking about, the women in my life, you know? So a man in my life showing me leadership, showing me he loved me is what I needed most completely. And so that would have counterbalanced whether women or not, or it would have gave me character to act appropriately, to be who I'm supposed to be, to be myself. To have permission to be myself around women, men, doesn't matter. And that is what a lot of my generation is is missing because, oh, they grew up single family parent household. Um, or they have they have everything there. They have the mother, the father, the cousins, the uncles, but they're just bad examples. They're bad leaders. They're teaching them wrong lessons. Okay, they have the uncle that's drinking. Well, that's not a good example to teach young Timmy. He's growing up thinking, okay, drinking's good. Drinking's acceptable. No one else in the family is telling him no. So he keeps drinking, and that's what he sees. You know what I'm saying? So to – I guess I'll give one sentence just directly to how my relationship with women has changed or altered. I well, think specifically that – Specifically like your mother and okay. the initial so – I think the biggest, the biggest thing I could say about my relationship with my mother is that she was my age when – she was like five, 10 years younger than me when she had me. She was doing the best that she could. And so when you're really aligned and really grown up and really start to start thinking better, which I got this from mentors that really elevated my thinking quickly, because I was like 16 for so many years, you know what I'm saying? 16 for 16 years. So now they got me to my, my proper level of thinking. So... They go, hey, have you ever considered forgiving your mother because she was your I'm like, oh shit, you could do that? Yeah. Mm. Like, oh fuck. So this is the this is me speaking to everybody, to the whole world. Forgive your mom or dad or both for whatever they did to you. They didn't they did the best they could at that time for what they knew, what they had. See, my mom and dad were um, using me and my sister as pawns because they were in a love quarrel, love triangle. And they were not thinking about the future of their kids. They're like, oh, well, I'm going to take him and you're not going to be able to see him. 
because I'm punishing you, but he was already a grown adult. He's not getting punished. I was. And so these are lessons that uh, are so, you know, profound, but they can be overlooked so easily because people are just in their lives, just living it and not looking about what are the, the implications uh, that we're setting here, the tone for this young woman, this young man's life, because you wanted to play love triangle and they're still in love to this day. Can you believe that shit? My mom already got remarried. My dad already got married, but you could tell they still love each other, man. It's weird. It's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> but um, how, how is your relationship with your mother today? It's good. Um, and it's good because it, it, it came from me. I forgive her. I uh, release that anger. I, you know, let the grudges go. I um, wanted to find peace in self. So now I have peace in her. I, I don't hold anything to her um, in terms of bad weight or anything like that. So. And did she acknowledge the change? Absolutely. Like, her son? Yeah, and absolutely. And the only thing I would say that sucks is that she didn't help me get here. I had to get here by myself. You know, that is the only thing. Like she had all the years of my life to help me be better or to get to the result. I had to I had to find that by God. I had to find it by a mentor. I had to find it outside of my core family. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And so people that are just seeking for their answers inside their core family, they may not find what they're looking for. They might have to go on that hero's journey. Oh, okay. Join the Marine Corps. Okay. Uh, go to school outside of your state. Okay. Uh, go on a mission, um, uh, with your church, go on a, um, those, uh, philanthropists, you know, when they go global and they start, you know, donating food and helping the Red Cross, all that stuff, they may need to go years and see other, how other people live, different cultures, customs, and courtesy. And that may be the answer that itself is not the answer. But in those years, they find, you know, different routes to get to the answer that they're looking for. Beautiful. Yeah. So um, I could go, but I, I want to. I want this to be a conversation too. I want you guys punch. You yeah, know. well, you're our guest. We we know about each other. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, here, let me get some. Uh, get a Joshua, there's. Something in this, the male American ethos, this kind of his, heroic sort of ideal about uh, being on the road and being, you know, your face in the wind. And I'm wondering if you've ever wanted to like, kind of like ride a motorcycle around America or anything like that. Oh, all the time. I've been wanting to do that. Like, I wanted to like escape my whole life as and, and far as like adventures and this and that. But I always, I also had this uh, subconscious thing, or maybe it was the lie that I was being told, like, "Oh, you have to show loyalty to your family. You, you, you can't leave. You're a Latino. You can never leave the nest. You can never leave the nest. Loyalty to your mother. Loyalty to your mother. Mama's boy. Mama's boy." So there was also a contradictory story as well, and that contradictory story was always um, outweighing my adventure side, you know, the Marine Corps side, the, uh, cause after the four years I came back home and that was like one of the biggest mistakes I ever made in terms of oh. growth, in terms of learning more, in terms of keep progressing. Yeah. 
And what ways are you living the adventure now? Like it doesn't have to be riding a motorcycle around the country, but in what ways are you actively engaging that adventurous spirit now in your life? I'm, I'm actively engaging because I'm writing an untold story, an untold story because my success is not guaranteed. Um, my entrepreneurship is not guaranteed um, starting from scratch. And so the future is untold. Um, I'm doing what I want to do that benefited me the most then package that up and give that to other people. Now, will the world receive it open hands? They might go, no, that's trash. I'm saying, well, this is gold to me. And I know it's gold to somebody else. I just don't have enough eyes on me. They don't understand exactly what I'm offering. They don't know that we could take them from pain Island to pleasure Island. They're like, okay, what do you mean? So I just need to get my, you know, my message out there. I need to, I'm taking risk right now. Um, so quite literally, um, all my, all my financial is it, all my time, all my investment is in a business. It's not guaranteed to work. So it's on a path that few take because it is very risky. And so, yeah, that, that is a way I'm, I'm living that. So say a little bit about what that business is and how, uh, people who want to engage with it might engage with it. Cool, man. So everybody comes with um, a past, you know, everyone comes with something core in them that's holding them back, you know, from their life. And that's what makes me a little bit different than, hey, we're, we're just going to start training and, and get you and get you to lose some weight. So what I what my program offers is coaching one on one. Yes, my coach, my coaching involves fitness and nutrition, but those are more those are more, um, we're going to do that with every client. What's different when what's, what's different from each client is their story with me and how I can connect the dots between the pain that they're going through the conversations that they need healing from until, into putting that into that, uh, that discipline, the new level of thinking, uh, different habits, connecting these, Boring habits to success, getting them out of the rut, having them find their faith, having them find their purpose. So when you connect, you know, eating and nutrition and working out to um, it's going to make my family better. When we have these conversations on how that works, of course, that would be a whole hour right there. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. That, let's just do that automatically. I want my family to be better. Oh, yes. I want to be successful. I want to stop thinking about the pain in my past. You know what I'm saying? So let's talk about that real quick. A therapist versus a coach or mentor. So I like my, I like the idea of having a therapist, having a psychologist, but I do not believe that should be your only source of help and, and development. And here's why you have, my brothers and sisters in psychology and they're in there in therapy, but what is their business model? They need you to keep coming back. They need you to have two, three years. Hey, we've been doing this, uh, you know, monthly, weekly. We keep, they want to analyze your past and talk about those things that you don't want to talk about. They want you to live there though. It's like, we don't want to live in that. Uh, let's talk, let's just say something that's hard. Some people were molested as children. We don't want to keep reliving that. It's like, how do we, Understand that was the pain and how do we heal that and how do we get past that? 
Okay, we get past that by, um, okay, yeah, that happened. Great. I mean, not great, excuse me. That happened. Yes. We accept it. Yes. But now let's, let's use all that pain as strength. Let's use that pain, tell a story. Let's use all that pain and share that with somebody, help somebody else that that's going through that rather than just living in it in yourself and being selfish and you're, you're just dying inside all the time. Share that story. Be that help to someone else that needs it. Get in physical shape so you can have confidence and be and love yourself. So it's like you want to keep eating cookies because of the pain in the past. No, let's let's show self love by investing in yourself so that you're showing by physical habits you love yourself and let's start healing. And so that so a mentor and coach, we have conversations on hey. This is what worked for me. This is what's going to work for you. Let's get you. Let's get you all the information you need to know. Let's let's get it like that. Or let's get you. For example, my my mentor helped me elevate my thinking years, but just spending a year or two with him, you know. So ten years of like all the lessons uh, that I should have learned, he helped me get it in a year or two, and that is the difference. Like, hey. He's like, by the end of this, I want you to be on your own. I want you to fly out the nest and be your own. I don't want you to be dependent on me. I want you to go on your own. And so that's the difference. They they knew they they can seek and get benefits from that. But once they've done that for a while, then they need to transition to someone that can coach them where they want to be, someone that can mentor them where they need to heal, and so on and so forth. They need all. They need the whole line not just one. Awesome. So how do people get in touch with you if they want to be mentored by you? Okay. So they can reach me at my tag right here on Instagram. If they can't reach me on Instagram, I have a LinkedIn account, which is also has the same tag, Acevedo plus you. They don't have a LinkedIn account. I have an email, professional email. It's Joshua J at Acevedo plus you.com. Hey, reach out to me. Beautiful. You're speaking my language, brother. Like I totally get what you're saying about people not being dependent on, on their growth and mentorship and all those things. It's really wonderful to hear that coming from you. And I see that that answered my question about what your current mission is. Yeah. I just, I, I don't want to like, not cause like I realized, and I got this from my mentor, like, what hurt me the most is like, I don't want to pass that burden on to someone else because that's like a massive burden. Like, like, uh, like let's, let's just talk about something simple. That's even biblical. All right. Keeping your word. There's so many people out here that like, they hear it, they know, yeah, you should, you should keep your word, but do they actually like feel bad if they don't? And I feel bad because so many times in my life, I was actually, waiting on someone to be there and they weren't there. And these were like, this is not just like, Oh, a uh, whole, you know, keep my mail for me. I'm going to pick it up in 30 minutes. No, this is like, Hey, let's do a collab. And I really look up to this person and they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They talk a big game and they're, they're getting pretty big. And then like, I'm they're like, it's July 1st. They said, hey, July 1st, we're going to, we're going to link up. I'm like, okay, cool. He respects me. He says, he's got time for me. He's going to be there. And he's like, Hey, we got to roll it over. Okay. Hey, we got to roll. Hey, I have another meeting set up. 
It's like, dude, but he tells me that two days later, it's like, dude, I was waiting for you. I, I booked out my time. So what's my time worth? My time ain't worth shit. You know, I was like, dude. Oh my <laughs> yeah. God. Being a man of your word is like day one for sure. Yeah. You know, but Absolutely. that, but that means the most to like kids. Okay. Like if you're a, if you're an idol in their eyes and you say, Hey, we're going to go get ice. And this is really simple guys. You're going to, it. those that are listening, I know you guys get it, but the audience, Hey, those that are listening, you got, you got young nieces and nephews and you got um, kids. If you kids hold on to this, like, like gold, if you say they remember, if you say, Hey, on Friday, we're going to go to the ice cream truck and you're their uncle. And then they're, they're waiting all freaking week because that's the biggest thing in their life at that time. And so many times my, my uncle let me down and I, and I, it's not, it's not that I, I just want to pass that on that. It meant it hurt me then I'm over it now, but it, I didn't realize that it hurt me that bad until, you know, you have things to compare it to, but yeah, that when we were waiting for our ice cream on Friday, Hey uncle, nah, wait. Well, here, you know what I think you both are kind of bringing up too with accountability, with our agreements with anyone, children, adults, ourselves, I think ourselves, um, acknowledging that the agreement is broken heals, Mm -hmm. you know, like if I say to my kid, yeah, I, I did say that and I apologize. it may even just be an outright my mistake. I that was not okay. I did that, and I'm sorry. Yeah. And then part of our energy is we don't want that to be the norm of how our, we are. That that's why I make it a conscious effort, and it's hard because we you know we live in a fast paced society. Always questions coming up. Hey, can you be here? Can you be? Here? And it's that's what makes it. You got to actively think. You can't just throw out. Yeah, I'll be here. Yeah, I'll be there. Yeah, you got to think about, whoa, 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 what am I uh, committing to, you know, for two reasons. One, you don't want to be in that situation where you have to apologize. But two, there's a good lesson in this also. And it is whatever you say yes to say no to something else. Right. So if you're booking yourself all up, it's like, are this is this really what you want to book up, you know? You know, that's super interesting because just last night I was talking with my eldest daughter about um, meaningful life and why do we want to be alive. And one of the things she said is a meaningful life is feeling comfortable saying no. Yes, that's that's one of the hardest lessons. And they should teach this in class. They should teach this all four years of high school. The hardest let, but they should put it in context, not just you got to know how to say no. And then no, 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 dude, because probably half the time the instructors teaching it don't even know what the hell they're talking about. You have to have someone that's actually applying it to their life and knows what it means. So saying no is is right in line to being who you really are, your true, your true intentions, your true feelings. Because if you can't say no, that means you're trying to fit in. You can't say no. Um, you're afraid of someone else thinks of you. If you can't say no, you don't have any boundaries. If you can't say no, um, I I gotta say it so people can really feel it. You, you're weak. Yeah, so, I'm not weak. Well, you might be strong in a bunch of other areas, but in that area, you weak, man. You can't say no. You can't say no to a woman. Ooh, that's a that one's gonna hit some guys out there. So oh, I could say no, 
bullshit. I was lifting some heavy, heavy, heavy iron and doing burpees and this and that. I felt like the man, like if any man comes up to him, I'm going to whoop his ass. But there's always that one girl <laughs> that walks by <laughs> and it's just like, oh, she just, she just stabbed the heart in my, she's having a knife in my heart and she doesn't even know it. She just broke me down and I did a thousand burpees. It's like, she just, she cut through me like kryptonite. Yeah. Like, damn, is there really such a thing as, as kryptonite? Like, like, this must be it. Because it's like, no matter how big my muscles are, uh, some that energy or that spirit or that woman will could, could just slice right through it. Well, That's why really, character is so important. You know, the other thing that comes to mind with this saying no is part of the mastery is receiving no and not getting all bent out of shape. That's another lesson. <laughs> well, it seems to go hand in hand. Like the more I'm able to receive a no, the easier it is for me to peacefully just say no. Okay. Yeah. For me, that's like, I would break that down into two whole lesson plans. Because ah. I, I feel like that one's very powerful also. Because yeah, absolutely. Um, just, just like I mentioned uh, a minute ago, like people want to just, whiz by all this oh and also receiving it's like no no no. whoa whoa, whoa. we got something heavy here you know it's like let's talk about it what do you mean yeah so yes receiving no people do not like uh people associate that with their feelings like oh they feel bad because they were trying to do sales calls and someone said no it's It's like no they're attaching it to their identity they're attaching it to their ego and they're attaching it to you know um their, their value. ability or what'd you say their value yeah and so it's like no no no, don't do that they're they're rejecting the offer maybe you just need to That's present it. the offer better oh i can do that yes present the offer better you did the okay let's say you're perfect you're the perfect you you could be and you presented the perfect offer they still said no well then they're they're just dumb or they don't under they don't want the they don't want the offer let them go you can't you can't make them buy let right them go. and Kind of looking at your own life, you know, like if the mentor you were talking about had come to you when you were 18, just as you were talking earlier in a yeah. biblical sense, like yeah. you may not have been able to hear that individual. No, that's, a, that's another good point. You're hitting really good points. I would not be able to hear the message unless I got thrown around a bit. Now, you know, and yeah, I would not be able to. People can only hear the message when they're ready for it. People can only be right. That's when they're ready. Right, right. All right. I have a quick question, which may be a super quick answer. Yeah. I see a lot of post-its behind you in the background there. Yeah, that's 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 how my brain works. I don't want to forget ideas. I mean, I got post-its right here, dude. Um, oh, you should. I don't. Be. I mean, sometimes I don't have like the proper notebook, so. I should, I should probably have um, proper notebooks like a normal person, but then, I mean, <laughs> then I'm not normal, right? I'm not crazy. I'm just not you. Well, there's something working. real about programming the visual cortex and using that visual cortex to influence the subconscious mind, Joshua. Yeah. So you're not wrong. Hell yeah. Um, Definitely. Let's see. I'm trying to, I'm looking at my, uh, my notes here or my notepad thing here to see if I, I could pull something out for you guys. Well, while Let's you're doing that, one. 
Um, I saw on your social media a young child you were with. Is that a niece? Yeah, that's my niece. So okay. that's, I'm glad you guys seen that. that that's my niece. And so when you talk about the uncle promising I, I was, ice cream on Friday. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one of my mentors is like, oh, she's going to be wrapped around your finger. You're going to be wrapped around her finger. I'm like, no, I'm not. <laughs> no, I ain't. She's going to do nothing. And he's like, oh, yeah. Oh, she already got you, dog. <laughs> Whatever she wants. That's so beautiful. Oh, you can say no to your niece. That's going to be an important lesson for her. Yeah, of course, of course. But we're being. Yeah, but no one wants to. You look in those bright, innocent eyes and you're just like, the world is a beautiful place. I want to be the, the living embodiment of that for you. Yes. Well, I think part of being close to a child as a parent or an uncle, a family member, is being the one who says yes predominantly in their life. Because life's going to have plenty of no's. Oh, we don't okay. need to hunt those down. <laughs> so finding the positivity and the yeses in one's life, that's thats the good medicine. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, you're right. It's, financial usually holds people back. You know, fear holds people back. Financials, uh, just non-belief, right? Yeah, yep. Um, I'm wondering, because you spoke about the tools that you have to help people as a mentor yeah. that you've learned. And part yeah. of what you shared is that when you came back home from the Marines, you yeah. went into a deep, dark, emotional, mental state. Hell yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. And you, in this conversation we're having, you said coming back home was a mistake. Oh, yeah. In terms of, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Finish out your question. Well, so I'm wondering, was that part of finding yourself in that hopeless place in your life was being back home and kind of back into this groove that was why you joined the Marines in the first place? Yeah. Um, So it kind of ties into like getting around uh, negative people again, or get going back from which you've came. If you've came from, it's like, um, say, I want to connect it to people in their own lives. Like it, let, let's say you became successful and you became something, you became a millionaire and then you're going back home to your, to the South side of Chicago and hanging out with old homies. Well, the old homies got bad habits. The old homies are freaking still shooting people on the block. The old homies are drinking. You're like, Hey, I don't do that shit no more. The old homies are talking about, you know, weed smoking and, and, and negative things. It's like, dude, I don't give a shit about any of that. They're like, oh, man, life's hard. Life sucks. And you're like, I just experienced a whole nother uh, evolution, a whole nother way of thinking, a whole nother group of people. They're on some other shit. And you're, you guys are just you're just taking, taking from me. You're not giving anything. I came from people that are giving, like leveling up, hands up. You know, okay, lessons learned, okay, you know, help each other out, okay, you know, carry my pack, okay, it's just like, and okay, let's get the next rank up, you know what I mean, like, just, if you're going back home, and your hometown, and your home people are just really dark energy, really dark spirits, in terms of, like, if you haven't found your faith yet, at that time, I hadn't, so it's just like, I didn't understand anything was going on, so I'm going back to 
the cesspool, if you will, you know, negative pe- people that don't believe in me. They didn't. Be- I had just completed Marine Corps four years. They don't even know what that was. They don't even know what I did. So they're talking to me like I'm nobody. So that de- that demasculates you. That takes away all your accomplishment. That that devalues you in sense if you let it, of course. But that's what it was doing to me. It's like restarting. I was like, I just complete. Oh, restart, dog. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, and it's just you lose all your juice, all your momentum, uh, all your your gain. You know, I just went from a place where they respected me. Now I'm going to a place where they don't respect me. I mean, it's it's not rocket science, but it was for me then. I didn't know what the hell was going on. I just know that I was losing. So what? how did you take your first step out of that hell? Good question. First, I had to understand that I was in hell. First, I had to uh, self-analyze. First, I had—I was like, I was fighting myself, not knowing I was fighting myself. I was getting court cases because I was fighting police officers. I was fighting the state of California. You know, a sheriff would come up to me. At, well, because of a call that was initiated from the uh, rail rail yard attendant, uh, you know, rail yard attendant thought I was just an average civilian. She started going off at the mouth. She didn't know I'd just come home serving my country. You know, I just get on the rail ticket thing and I didn't pay the, the $1 fare, $2 fare. So she gets on the radio like I'm a transit, like I'm a, she starts saying, you're a degenerate. You're what's wrong with society. She doesn't know I'm in an, I'm in a position more elevated than she'll probably ever be. And, um, and I was in, you know, I had secret clearance. I was in rooms that you guys can only imagine. But here, if if I may, because one of the things she was doing is reacting to your actions, and right. your actions in that moment were yeah. a degenerate. Right, right. I and I and I don't disagree with you. It's just that um, that back then I was I was I was looking for an enemy to fight. Right. Because right. I was mad, but I didn't understand why. I was like, what's right. going on? I didn't put all this together. So I was, uh, so I didn't, I was being uh, unbecoming of a, a gentleman, unbecoming of a uh, Marine, if you will, because I was, you know, back home and being stupid because I just got into DUI. So I was like, I was going from lows to lows to lows, not paying a, a $1 ticket for a fare, you know? And it, <laughs> you know, I'm going from, a high elevated status to freaking now sheriffs are being dispatched. When the sheriff showed up, even in my stupidity, then I knew, okay, they're the authority. Okay. Yes, sir. No, sir. But this is how it popped off because it's karma, right? It's karmic debt. So I'm, t- I'm talking to the sheriff. I'm like, shit. Okay. Sit down. He's, he, he got the, he's got the scene. He's got his, he's got all geared up. I'm like, yes, sir. My social's this, my real name's this. <laughs> Here comes the other sheriff from behind and I'm just such in a combative place and, and fit, you know, from the training and mentally. So the guy starts grabbing me and I had never really been, ar- I had never been arrested before. So I go like, you know, Hey, what's up? And I, I should have just complied, but I didn't. So we go, we go, uh, Nick Matt, where we go to the bullet, which is like, uh, we're grappling now me and another sheriff. Right. I remember we were rolling in the dirt. Right. And, uh, he's getting pissed. He's like, Oh fuck. He's just, this asshole. We're going to fuck him up. And uh, I seen his keys flying and I seen his, his utility knife flying in the air. I'm like, oh, I'm thinking to myself like, oh, fuck, they're going to be they're going to turn it up to, to a 12 right now. Yeah. 
because now I'm embarrassing them. Now we got a scene. Now they got to show. They got to show me who's who's boss. So I'm rolling with this guy. He's trying to cuff me up. He can't because I'm too good, I guess. Um, and then, and he and he outweighs me by at least thirty pounds, and he's got his gear on. So I'm like, I'm like even more. <laughs> pumped up to like embarrass them so like you i'm just small guy and then uh here comes the other sheriff this is a true story so he start he start punching me in the face well I, the other one's got me wrapped up like like a bear hug i'm like oh i'm like fuck this is fucked up so i'm like help you know <laughs> just trying to be a you know youtube sensation or something <laughs> and so they're punching me I promise you, this is not this is not a lie. Uh, well, I'm going to tell you what he said at, when he get back to the station. So, okay, so then they they get me down and they're like, "All right, motherfucker, we are going to tase you now." I'm like, and this was after like five ten minutes. I'm like, I'm like, all right, I don't want to be tased. All right, all right, let's do it. <laughs> so we're in the back. They throw me in the back, and they're like, "I'm like, hey, can I get some water?" They're fucking quiet the whole way right there. And uh, when we get to the station, uh, the nice guy, the one that was talking to me, he goes, hey, uh, yeah, I was punching you. Uh, I see that you're military. Yeah, the only reason I stopped punching you in the face and didn't give you, you know, black and blue bruises, the only reason is because you were military. So basically what he was saying, and which I got really upset, was that he was going to, like, break my face just to, if I wasn't, I didn't have any kind of backing of anything. I was like, that's fucked up. That's a fucked up police force. Yeah. Yeah, that's real. I was like, damn, dude. And then and then I was upset because I'm like, hey, I wanted to talk to you on the bench. I was sitting down. Why'd your fucking your buddy, good cop, bad cop, come and jump me? So well, I can't have any control of that. I'm like, so you guys don't have any control of each other, no accountability. A guy wants to talk, he's compliant, and the other guy just comes in. That's like a free radical that 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 was years ago, but I hope it's it's gotten better. <laughs> because that was just one of rest. Uh, yeah, it probably hasn't. But going again to the question of how did you take that initial step out of hell? And you said first you had to recognize that. You're yeah, in so um, I, I just wanted to take you guys on that little story. But um, I I found out through like I did go through myself some therapy, but I was focusing on the wrong things. I was on a path of self-discovery. Um, I was working out, seeing the results. I was searching like all different ways, you know. Um, and so finally, I took a couple years and just moved in with my uncle where I was living in the trailer. So I, you know, and everybody hated this uncle. So I'm like, shit, I, at least I can relate to him on something. He was a black sheep. I'm like, shit, I'm a black sheep too. Let's. Let's uh, let's join forces in terms of let's live together. His wife had just passed away, so he was in a turmoil that way because she died of cancer, had it all over her body, and I joined one of the coolest gyms because of her. She wanted to work out with me the, her last few years, and I did that with her at her gym, and it was a really great experience. It's a whole other story, but um, so we lived together. I was like in my mind, okay, I'm going to help him cope. He's lonely now. I'm lonely in spirit. So we lived together and I was doing construction then. But I um, I was finding out, you know, what, what I'm going to be doing. Um, I started a company then, um, a tree company. We were, we were okay. We had an okay start. 
But when I started my tree company, that's when I met my first mentor. And that's when he helped me self-analyze myself and realize, you know, who I am, what lessons I should already know, how to become a man, what is a man. You know, he taught me about responsibility. He taught me about, you know, hey, grow up. You know, I've heard these terms before, but he, he brought meaning to them. You know, hey, you know, it's time to grow up. I'm like, oh, you know. He, he made it make sense for me and ma- making make sense is what I said earlier is that I was, I was such in a young mindset because nobody ever sat me down as a young man or as a man and said, Hey, this is, this is what has worked for me. This will work for you. This is um, the, some of the one, two, threes you should have gotten life, but you didn't. Okay, cool. Hey um, yeah. You grew up with all women. Well, let me tell you what, you should have learned what growing up with some men in your life. Oh, okay. You know, it's like, okay. So this is what a man's supposed to do. A man's supposed to provide. A man is supposed to be a leader. A man is supposed to take care of his people. A man is supposed to um, endure more than, let's say, a woman's career or path. You know, both are very important, but we have different roles, you know? Yeah. That's cool. There's a lot of young men in this country who face those challenges. So it's really important, Joshua, that you're doing this work because this is the path to healing for, for our culture and for our, our world. And it's really, really great to hear your story. I can viscerally feel the vibrance of your positivity and, and your heart just feels huge and full of wonder for life. And, you know, there's a really important question that we have to ask you. Go ahead, fire off. Foo Fighters or Eminem? Oh, man. Why can't we have them both? <laughs> That's an answer. <laughs> why can't we have both winning? Like, yeah. why can't we have the life that we want? You know, pick a life. You know, pick pick a career path. Pick something that you do and call it a life, you know? So like this, this coaching, like, why can't life be about giving people, you know, wisdom, giving people lessons learned? Uh, why, why can't that be a career field? You know what I mean? And that's what I'm kind of doing now. This is what you guys are doing, uh, you know, so to speak. You guys are sharing wisdom with the world through these channels. And that's what days of old used to do. Uh, you know, tribesmen, leaders, they used to get together. Okay, all right. This is, these are what, this is wisdom. This is what we all should know. These are, this is what should heal the group. This is the medicine from the forest. This is, hey, this is, these are wins, you know, rather than all this uh, sensory world that we live in and propaganda and social media world where it's kind of like, it's taking us in vapious directions where they don't have any, hold any weight, hold any value. How about what you guys are doing is holding real weight. This is, you know, what we would call uh, flow state. This would be called like, this is the inner peace that everyone's seeking, like sitting down with other humans, talking about real things, not the sports game, not the, uh, for those that are sports fans out here. Okay. That's fine. If you really want that, you're going to find out that that's not priority in life. Priority in life is making sure you're all set. If you want to talk about that, go ahead. But this I believe is more essential than knowing you know, how many touchdowns uh, Colin Kaepernick has thrown in his career. If you got that to a T, then you can learn some some top-tier stuff and keep that in your pocket, too. 
Throw your own touchdowns. There you go. I like yeah. that. Make up your own game. <laughs> yeah. There you go. I like that too. We, we get, we lose focus of that. Cause it's like, who's our leaders in society? You know, it's like, okay, well, rap music. I listen to rap music, but I wouldn't go to a rap artist for um, spiritual growth. I wouldn't go to a rap artist to, to learn how to heal myself. No offense to any rap artists out there, but you know, that's not my first pick. There are some uh, like Kevin Gates. He's had some pretty cool YouTubes. I don't know if you know who Kevin Gates is. He seems pretty uh, high IQ, but that's not his main goal is to help people and heal themselves. You know, he's just spitting um, wisdom from time to time on YouTube and they clip it up. But well, like, go ahead. There is a uh, spoken word rap MC that you might want to check out. KRS-One. KRS-One. Okay, let's do that. <laughs> you know, if it's to help people, let's go. KRS-One yeah, KRS is bringing the knowledge for sure. One thing, I was listening to a podcast with Paul Anka. Are you familiar with him? No, sir. He's I, a I, crooner I from like the 50s. You know, he was, he wrote a lot of very famous old tunes like uh, My Way, the Frank Sinatra song. And he, anyway, he's a crooner, you know. Um, but he was saying that in his genre of music as a musician, the peers of that genre don't check their ego at the door. Cause someone was saying, what about like a three tenors tour where like you and two other crooners toured, it would be huge. And he's like, it doesn't happen. And he mentioned how in the hip hop rap game and country game, they know about joining with other artists and creating something together. So, I mentioned that because I think a lot of people listen to uh, rap and they hear just the gangster words and yeah. it just seems very off-putting. And I, from hearing Paul talk, behind the scenes are individuals who know about working with others and creating something together. Yeah, absolutely. I, one, of the, one, of, one of the big lessons, um, I think, in people's lives is hard to analyze because it's like you have to have someone be really honest with you. And that's, and that's, that's what you get from a coach or a mentor. <laughs> the, the, the therapist won't tell you, Hey man, you got to fight. This motherfucker has a big ass ego. I hate this piece of shit. Hey, yeah. Oh, let's talk about, Hey, how are you doing this week? Hey, uh, they're too, they're too nice. <laughs> you yeah, gotta, have, you gotta have both, man. You gotta have someone say, Hey man, you're, you're fucking up this way. Because when they hear it like that, it's like, oh, oh, now I'm paying attention. He don't give a shit if we're friends or not. No, yeah. no, you want someone like that in your corner. You I'm know, laughing because Monday, there's a men's group that Mark turned me on to. And Monday, I was like, yeah, I don't really need to go to this thing, you know, whatever. So that's why you should go. Like, you are resisting this so much, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, like, yeah whatever. And I ended up going because I like Mark is so insistent. Maybe yeah. I should check this out. And at the end of that experience, Monday, I was a better person. Yeah. Yeah. If we just do what we feel like doing or, or just listening to ourselves, sometimes we not we might not make the mark in life. You know, we right. need that accountability factor, whether that for me, I use Instagram as an accountability factor. I use other people that are, you know, know about my life as accountability factor. You know, um, go ahead. Well, and I'm just going to say two things. One, 
we all know that with the internet, the trolls exist. Yeah. So take that with a grain of salt, you know. Um, and also, ultimately, our creator wants us to know who we are. Yes. We were not created to live in darkness. And it's our blindness is why we can't stand with God because it's too bright, you know? So having someone like you, having Mark in my life, having people like you're saying who can say, hey, here's your blind spot. Because more often than not, I'm not going to look to my blind spot. I don't even know it's there. Yes. So that brings me closer to that divine nature so I can stand in the presence of God. No, that was very powerful. And I, and I know it's powerful because I've experienced what you're saying. So those that are listening that don't know what you've just brought to their attention, that holds a lot of weight. And uh, the only way you get there is through, unfortunately, what you just said cannot just be transferred through a, a, a podcast. They have to experience that for themselves, that, that whole, okay, negotiating with themselves in the morning, holding their word to themselves, okay, Going in, getting on a program where they're giving up their what used to be their habits and now trading it in for some better ones like okay calorie restriction okay I have to wake up at six when I normally wake up at seven but why oh well it's showing gratitude oh really oh but why it shows discipline oh really oh but why it shows that I'm in control of me oh okay and it shows a bunch of other things that, you know what I mean? It's like, uh, you know, rather than just, it's just not just a wake up time. It's something to be yeah. proud of. It's yeah. something showing God, Hey, I'm, uh, I'm going to use this hour to, to meditate, which I normally never do. That's what the person's saying, or to spend at least 15 minutes of that hour, you know, reading words out of the Bible because it does something spiritually because you have to believe that it does. You see where I'm getting at? People just stick to it and they want to keep it at a surface level so they don't have to do it. Oh, just wake it up early. What's the big deal? It's like, bro, I'm going to take you to a place you've never been before. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And once they taste that little slice of what creation is for, they never want to turn back. Once you really get it, (laughs) never want to go back. It's, it's crazy. It's, and then you feel bad going back, backsliding a little bit, but you're really not like, for example, um, okay. So I'm usually, I'm up like at two and I usually get to the gym at four, but some days I get up at the same time, but I didn't go to the gym. If I go in the afternoon and some in my mind says, Oh, you're losing. That's a loss. It's, and it's like, Whoa, wait a minute. Six months ago, I wouldn't be having any program at all. It wouldn't matter if I went to the gym or not. And yeah, I didn't have results and I do. So it's like you gotta you gotta compare yourself to freaking where you came from, not you know little tiny adjustments in your schedule because that's how you want to foresee. You know, that's how you're gonna plan out the day. It's still yeah. you can still mark that up as a win because you had control of the situation. Hey, we'll wake up at four. We're still gonna ingest some protein. Hey, we're gonna hit the workout in the afternoon because it's warmer outside. You know, as long as it makes sense and you're not you know going crazy. Hey, I'm gonna I'm just gonna. Uh, Go to the water park and today, <laughs> you know, I mean, like, okay, well, are you still going to work out? Well, isn't that a workout? Well, now we're, now we're talking different now. <laughs> yeah. We go to the, do get a workout and go to the water park. Ah, oh, damn it, Josh. You had to get me. Yeah. Do both. Yeah. Yeah. 
Oh my goodness, it's been so great to have you to the party. And I just want to invite you to stay connected. Like when this is over, that doesn't mean the communication between us has to stop. So let us know how you're doing. Let us know if there's something we can support you in. And, you know, uh, God bless you for all that you've done for this country that we don't know about. And all that you're doing for the young men that are in your sphere of mentorship who are going to grow up to help make the world a better place. Amen. Hey, cool, man. Uh, are we, I mean, I could, I could go on one more point or we're done. We're done. If you got another point, I think let's give it a shot. Sure. Three minutes. Okay, let's go. All right. Let's talk about the, um, you know, influencers in the space that uh, people are, you know, gravitating to or they're in awe of. I just want to um, just let let the audience know that, yes, they're doing good, but sometimes the the bigger influencers, they kind of forget about the little guy, you know? So sometimes someone with a smaller audience will, will ask why they're in the space. Why are they starting out? And for me, I'm starting out to help the person that is me on the other side, me in terms of they're starting where I'm, where I'm, you know, started and they're not as fit, but they want to be, or they know something's wrong with their life. And that's why I got on the social media space. That's why I started this, uh, this career field. And so it is not about, of course, I need to pay the, the, the rent and all that, but that, that's secondary. So I just want to, you know, don't, don't always go for the guys that are so big or they have massive egos and they don't care about you or they, they forgot what it's like to be a little guy. Sometimes you need to get down to someone that's down to earth. And so uh, I encourage them to, to check me out. Recording stopped.